Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. The only thing worse than a robot is a possessed one. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 412, Hot Potato Soup, is brought to you by Old Ways Onion Scented Vodka. No fancy flavors or artificial additives, just a bitter spirit best served in a perfectly chilled vial. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser, Matt, video game boops and beeps, uh, hallmark iconic science fiction quotes, where are we and what's going on? Pete, we are at a cool video game, retro video gaming, but serving alcohol establishment. We are with the Koenig twins, or at least the Koenig, uh, the Koenig multiples. And uh, Pete, it just looks like a good old-fashioned time that they're having. We were told there'd be hoverboards. We were not told that one Koenig would fall off of them and then the other would have to help him up. While that's taking place, Matt, and we are establishing our setting, there are two guys who are decidedly out of place in a good old-fashioned family fun center. Well, Pete, I like to think that anyone is welcome, but I think these two guys are not acting in a welcoming way, what with their skulking about and their their uh, clear targeting of at least one of the Koenigs. And... Um, Pretty quickly in this uh, in this uh, fun time video game bar, a fight breaks out. Uh, Billy is able to take out one of the uh, the Russian uh, duo, and then he seems successful. He runs out, all while Sam appears to be cowering. And Pete, this teaser act is punctuated by the return of Captain Hatebeard. <laughs> it's just Hatebeard, Matt, <laughs> and. Uh... He is able to uh, take Billy and throw him in the back of a Hummer there, gets away with him, uh, which leads to the iconic, uh, you know, in, in a teaser where we have iconic quotes from, from other works, Star Wars and uh, Back to the Future. We get Agent Coulson. This is Agent Koenig. They've got Agent Koenig. Certainly, certainly a line to remember. We get taken to the title card. Then we were on the shield jet. There's exposition about how anyone, uh, if anyone knew where the Koenigs were, uh, that it would be May. So, therefore, it's Radcliffe. I like that little tease there where it's, ah, we know May is, is, is maybe, and, uh, and she knows it, but uh, the, all fingers point towards Radcliffe. Great phrase here pete to catch the canings is like catching moonlight yeah i like that they're up front with what's going on with these characters we bring a little bit of the baggage that's that's gone on before the shield can't even find these guys half the time and uh as the the quinjet arrives there fitz is seen working on the lmd version of radcliffe yeah, he's being uh, patched together. Uh, shades of Star Trek: The Next Generation, what with the, you know, the skin patch being put back on in a close-up, and then uh, and then look, you can tell that that was real because now there's a red circle on his forehead. Um, more importantly, Pete Bradcliffe. That of course is Bad Radcliffe or Bot Radcliffe. Take your pick, Internet. Uh, he's been paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, he's not going to talk about where Radcliffe Prime is. Nay, he couldn't even begin to guess. Um, things then get spiced up as Mac and Simmons come in ready to shoot. Maybe Mac a little bit more. We know about his robot concerns. Uh, the Fitz says, not yet, not yet. Yeah, and as Mac is uh, brandishing his shotgun axe there, uh, the whole idea that he doesn't know where he where Radcliffe is, is what Bradcliffe tells us. We whisk from there, Matt, to some unknown location where 
Hatebeard, not Captain Hatebeard, because we're going to see the captain in a little bit, uh, brings Billy in to a room where uh, Radcliffe is restrained and, uh, you know, threatens him, letting him know that the man who's going to come in here is going to do things to him that not even Hatebeard, Matt, can watch. But uh, we're told by Billy that Koenigs don't break. Bring it on. And then once Hatebeard leaves the room, Dr. Radcliffe, in what felt out of place as it was going on anyway, introduces himself to Billy Koenig. Yeah, there's there's an an example yet again of the show knowing where to uh, where to walk the fine line from the get-go it feels like radcliffe is playing a variation of sick prisoner um here you know captured prisoner when indeed he's not captured um it's effective though because they're not telegraphing the twist to come but we are suspicious enough and i think john han is doing such a wonderful job to really sell uh sell Radcliffe as a okay actor. And that, of course, is an acting challenge all its own, being a good actor, acting like a lousy actor. But uh, John Hanna pulls it off. And John Hanna, uh, Radcliffe, is the reason that Billy Koenig has been brought there. Back we go to the Quinjet. Sam arrives, says hello to Coulson, May, and giggle, giggle, Agent Quake. Um... Certainly a nice moment. There's a moment of triumph here. I wonder if this was perhaps um, Patton Oswald's first day back on the set for this episode and his return after the, you know, the, the tragic loss of his wife and the return of the character and all that. I wondered if maybe some of that came across in the, the feel of this scene. Meanwhile, we, the audience, have been seeing him on the show for the last you know, 10 minutes at this point, but it's a great moment nonetheless. And a little bit of hero worship there. When last he knew her, she was, but Daisy. Now she is agent quake. And they are two that as far as our viewership goes, have the furthest history together. Of course, Eric Koenig having been murdered, uh, in the Providence episode in season one, where, uh, Daisy, then sky, and you know the catch up here for the other Koenig, you were you were Sky, now you're Daisy, and you're Quake, and da 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 da. Um, but yeah, Matt, like you said, you know we pick up on the on the gleefulness of the return of Patton Oswald, and how can you not root for this guy uh, after the sudden and shocking death of his uh, wife, a uh, you know a a crime novelist, uh, something he's actually endeavoring to finish in the wake of her death. Oh yeah. And raising their daughter. Uh, so, you know, the, the humor and the 10 o'clock, uh, time slot was perfect for what Pat Noswalt brought in this episode. There's a lot of things I don't think would have flown at nine o'clock or have been written in for the nine o'clock slot, but, uh, not only welcome to have him back, but welcome to have him the way he is back in this episode. And that particular scene wrapping up with, uh, this question, where could Billy be? He could be anywhere. It's, you know, he could even be under the sea. Pete, with that, we cut to an underwater boatin. We're under the sea. Do you see the, the writerly irony there? Yes. Uh, when Sam explains that he followed the Hummer to, uh, you know, the end of a dock and there was nothing. And then, boom, we realize we've been below the sea with uh, Radcliffe and Billy Um, but it's what happens here as Radcliffe is explaining the dark hold that it drives you mad understanding. Of course, he's in the throes of that, uh, you know, so calmly explaining it, but, uh, two gentlemen enter with a cart, which what looked a lot like an onion initially on there, come to find out that it is, they leave. Okay. The uh, door on the other end with the the, the old submarine wheel style uh, handle opens and a gentleman comes in who introduces himself as the captain. You are the prisoners that they can cooperate or be removed piece by piece, just like he removes 
a piece of the onion there, takes a bottle, holds it up. There's a vial. He pours into it. There's a pause wondering who's he going to pour this on? Is he going to pour this on the onion to demonstrate, you know, the, the melty powers he drinks it, then smells the onion. Okay. Explaining that vodka perfectly chilled as they are below the surface here, the onion, the scent of it, enhancing it, the flavors. No, he's all about the old ways, Matt, because the old ways were superior. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. This, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal scene in part because for all the success that the show uh, has had in many previous episodes of presenting us zingers where we don't see it coming at all or having the audience be slightly ahead uh, of a reveal to the characters, this is right in the middle where we have absolutely no idea what's going on. Pete, when the captain first came in, his back to the camera and I'm, I, you know, I have the volume turned up. I'm at the edge of my seat. I had to think of our pal Donna who wondered if perhaps uh, Ward somehow was going to to reappear. I know, you know, Ward the body is dead, but if, if Brett Dalton would somehow reappear in some way. Pete, I swear he sounded like Brett Dalton when he first came in. Um, clearly was not, though. Um, and then just this, this mechanic, the mechanics of the onion and the mystery of it, and then the shot of vodka, it, it's absolutely wonderful. Again, as you mentioned, Pete, uh, he he calls this superior. So I think we're meant to think he's the superior, which is awfully convenient um, because that anything so clear on Agents of Shield is probably a misdirect. Um, but he of course references that the sub was built just like the old ways were built to last, uh, and then he smashes his vial, a shard of it sticking out. And uh, he is ready to slice out Billy's eye. And with that, Pete Radcliffe ends the ruse. Of course, Matt, who better to play a captain than Zach McGowan, known for playing Captain Charles Vane on The Black Sails? <laughs> Indeed. Everything's the the. And uh, yeah, he, he, he brings just such a... Uh, I don't know, such an evocative spirit. And of course it helps, uh, as mentioned, that uh, he's ready to slice out Billy's eye. Uh, Radcliffe speaking up. Nadir said that he wouldn't be hurt, that there wouldn't be any lasting damage. It's time for Radcliffe to get into his head. As Act 2 begins, Matt Simmons is working on Bradcliffe, uh, who announces that what she is doing is an invasion of privacy as Fitz is going to ro reprogram the robot. He also wonders, why would one sing like a bird? The, uh, the figurative language there. Why not sing like Mick Jagger? Which just, it got a chortle out of me, Pete. Um, he chortle then... where we get chill towards the end of this scene. <laughs> Indeed. Um he then gets what appears to be an attack of the code. He's speaking in tongues. Pete, he's speaking in Latin. This is now the second show that uh, you and I have watched this week to feature uh, the dead <laughs> language. I guess, I guess Pete, Latin's just making a cultural comeback. Yeah, Fitz announces that this is fifth generation coding. It's so advanced. It's... Uh, it, it, it's writing itself as it goes. They shut him down. Okay. Can I just point out, Pete, that Fitz indeed says that it's, like, it's uh, fifth generation. He also then says it's like nothing I've ever seen before. Well, isn't it like X generation coding? Like that's like saying, Pete, the iPhone 8, it's going to be like nothing that you've ever seen before. It'll be like the iPhone 7. <laughs> it's like, well, wait, either I have a frame of reference for it or not. Now, I understand that Fitz is a man of science and not of figurative language. He's not a man of great literature like your podcast pals, dear listener. But I just wanted to point that out there, that a writer made him say, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. It's fifth generation. Okay. Mac, of course, remains uh, concerned with all the messing around they have done in this pod with robots and um, Fitz wants to know who programmed 
uh, Radcliffe? Was it Radcliffe? Was it Ada? And then Matt back to that, you know, uh, metaphor, uh, singing like a bird where Bradcliffe just warbles there before all three of them. Maybe the, the most chilling moment I would say for my money in this season of agents of shield, possibly for the entire run of the show. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely maximizing your John Hanna experience there. Uh, the story then moves to Daisy and Koenig watching some of the uh, security cam uh, footage from the attack on the club. Proof that Billy ran. Oh, can you believe Billy? Oh, actually, no, it was Sam who ran. Nice little funny moment there where uh, Daisy is quick to note that uh, the one Koenig is trying to sell out his brother while uh, wearing the suit of the uh, of the wimpy man. Colson and May, meanwhile, catch up, have a discussion there about how he wanted to protect her. She points out, again, with our uh, dramatic um, knowledge that we know what she is and they do not yet know uh, through the dramatic irony what's going on, that she doesn't need protecting before they join Daisy and Sam in the same room there. Uh, discussion about something stronger than a Quinjet to get them where they need to be um, before we move back to the submarine. Pete Koenig absolutely, positively cannot be broken. He will not talk. He knows that this is futile. The brain scanny VR goggles are popped on him. And oh, is that a puppy? <laughs> I, again, you know, where where he doesn't go off color, he goes, you know, uh, straight up silly and slapstick on us. And a credit to Pat Oswalt playing three characters, three versions in the same episode here. But with that headset on, his mind being a steel trap, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Stick him in quicksand and suddenly, yeah, he's he's rendered... Uh, uh, moot here. Um, but the, uh, superior wants to know from Radcliffe what's in it for him to extract the secrets of, uh, Koenig's mind and Radcliffe, uh, chillingly tells him a better world. And the superior points out, then we want the same thing. Back at shield HQ, uh, Pete, I think you and I were both blushing a little bit. Koenig uh, admitting to Quake that there's some Quake fanfic out there, including Quake and Black Widow. Pete, this is 10 p.m. That that quack fanfic, Matt. Watch, watch out for it. It, it is a, it is an internet uh, black hole to fall down, uh, but you'll you'll never feel so good. Anyway. Um, the discussion quickly turns to uh, the connections between the Russian thugs that they've seen that are uh, brought back to the Russian Prime Minister Olchenko, who had uh, fingered Bobby and Hunter in their failed mission behind those lines there, the result of them needing to go undercover and film their own pilot, which never went to series. Which made me wonder, Pete, are they setting up some sort of use of that pilot? Uh, last night, I was still sticking to the theory that they'll do some sort of, uh, you know, Star Trek the Cage, Star Trek the Menagerie kind of thing where they triumphantly return by way of this old footage that no one has seen. Pete, now here's a new theory. Maybe that's the little extra special uh, online only that we get between uh, this pod and the, the last pod of the season. It's certainly enticing. I got to think it's a little more complicated than that, being that it was a non-picked up pilot. I don't know where the rights work and uh, how they would. Certainly, you can incorporate that footage. It remains to be seen the, the producers and everybody who was involved there and, and who's getting credit and who's getting, you know, paid and everything. It could be very complicated to get that in. 
Well, regardless, uh, it's also revealed that Billy does, in fact, know about the dark hold. He's got info. Pete, he couldn't say all this in front of the red shirts, pop culture reference. Um, May, of course, may be to us, uh, asks if Koenig knows where the dark hold is. Pete, he's not going to say right now because he knows we're about halfway through an hour-long drama and uh, mystery is the name of the game. But he does know it's secure. We head back with uh, Fitz and Bradcliffe, and the discussion, Matt, here gets decidedly heavy. It does. Fitz is unloading vitriol on Bradcliffe, telling him to, Pete, I'm going to quote here, shut up. These are strong words. Bradcliffe reminds Fitz that everyone is programmed. After all, Fitz has been programmed by betrayal from Ward, from Daisy. Oh, and his father. Man, oh man. Bradcliffe is able to really grind Fitz's gears here. And uh, in fact, Bradcliffe knows what Papa Fitz used to say because he knew Papa Fitz to take us to the act break. Act three, Matt, and how would Radcliffe know all of those things? Because Papa Fitz showed him a picture of his new son, Leopold, when he was a few months old. Uh, Fitz has had enough. He pulls the plug. He storms out before we're back in the submarine. The superior is asking how long this will take. Ada has now joined them. Uh, They are mapping um, uh, Billy Koenig's uh, mind to get at the secrets of where the dark hold is. Um, the the superior explains that uh, the Inhumans have not labored to become great. So he says that they we will destroy them, and then um, one thing at a time, Doctor. Uh, also, ding, 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 your brain has now been mapped. <laughs> That's how fast it takes, Pete. It's, it's, it's an alternative present in which uh, technology is a bit more advanced than ours. Uh, with that, Billy is taken to the brig, and uh, Radcliffe, Radcliffe Prime, puts on the brain scanner. He's ready to read those memories, which appear wonderfully, Pete, as an uh, audiovisual presentation not only well-suited for brain reading, but also television. Well, I think utilizing the framework idea that was presented in the last episode of the matrix, as we've also dubbed it, he sees something being constructed. It looks like a head. It, it must be an LMD. No, it's a Darth Vader alarm clock. I had the very same one. It never worked. <laughs> well, Pete, that's because though you are, one of uh, multiple siblings. You are not a uh, triplet? Is that where we're up to? Quad Quadruplet? Are we assuming? At this point, we can reasonably assume they are uh, quadruplets, yet it, it, it it's still, we, we have to discuss that in our level seven segment. It's still open to a multiple. interpretation. We're not going to be numbered bias. We'll just call him, he is a, he is a, a womb multiple. A litter. <laughs> Wow. Um, but they see in the memories here that uh, there's a brother or a twin. They picked up the wrong one. Uh, it's at this time we circle back to S.H.I.E.L.D. and there is the reveal by Sam that uh, the first one to get them involved with S.H.I.E.L.D. was uh, L.T. Koenig. To the S.H.I.E.L.D. kitchen we go, Pete. Normally, when we're in the S.H.I.E.L.D. kitchen, it's a scene brought to you by Ben Deary Beer, but instead, it's all crying in the beer in this scene. Simmons and Mac um, decide to do um, what they call in the business as tell, not show. Normally, friends, when you're doing a TV show or a movie, you show, don't tell. Uh, instead here, they just simply tell about the Fitz backstory. Dad left at age 10. Boo-hoo, tear down the cheek, Pete. I now feel worse for Fitz. He would also tell him he was stupid um, after, you know, or before walking out at 10. Uh, quickly, however, Matt, we're on a stakeout with Daisy. Uh, despite that hanging over uh, Fitz and Simmons' head, 
Uh, we're at the sole patch here. Daisy reports plenty of man buns, even a handlebar mustache or two. Colson and May are uh, near the stakeout as well. And the discussion gets personal here. They've been having a lot of toasts lately. Maybe it's try time to try something else. Luckily, they're interrupted uh, with the announcement that there's a woman in the bar. She's got an icer, and she quickly takes out Koenig, and uh, Coulson comes in. The woman is revealed to be LT Koenig. Pete, that's the zinger with which we end the act. Act four begins with now the named Thurston Koenig uh, complaining to LT that he had been iced here. Seemed different as this, uh, you know, undercover comedian talking before about sheeple and mind programming, even a Tony Stark reference in there. Um, also bringing up that uh, Eric the Koenig who was killed, he wouldn't have wanted this before the uh, Koenig crush, Matt, is utilized. Indeed, uh, LT punching her brother Thurston in the, uh, uh, or pardon me, and she punches Sam. And Pete, we, we got three characters here. It's a little difficult at, at times. Um, but LT punches Sam in the lower guts area, her comment. Grow them back. That's what you get for letting your guard down. Thurston wants to go home and get out of this. Daisy, meanwhile, has ID'd Antoff Ivanov, a billionaire Russian industrialist. Guess they make him on uh, both sides of the superpowers, Matt. Essentially uh, a, a less personable uh, Tony Stark on the Russian side. Uh, LT points out bad news here uh, that she gave the dark hold to Billy in Operation Hot Potato. This is wonderfully integrated with the framework goggle uh, sequence here with Operation Hot Potato. He put it in the labyrinth, which um, Radcliffe is in the process of penetrating. He tells Ada to remember a series of numbers, doors, and ultimately safes and drawers are opened in that framework. Finally, he's got it and tells the superior to turn this boat around. Antov Ivanov, though, says he won't turn the boat around. Uh, Initially, I thought it was like, because I give the orders around here, beat, beat, turn the boat around. But no, no, Pete, he wants to get the information his way with the knife. <laughs> um, if what Ivanov can get matches up with what Radcliffe can get, then he will be satisfied. Um, and uh, Ivanov also flexing his uh, his goon muscle in terms of telling his goons to get them out of here, Radcliffe and Ada. Pete, with that, Radcliffe gives Ada a nod. She goes into full, you know, Terminator mode, and then she beats two guys and then rips the guts out of a third one, um, but spares the hand of Captain Hatebeard because, Pete, one does not simply so easily dispense away with a uh, recurring guest star, except for the times on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they've killed off a recurring guest star with little fanfare, but not, pardon me, not Captain, Major Hatebeard, Pete. We're going to give him an army rank and remind everybody that he's majorly filled with hate and beard. And Pete, she's a machine made by Radcliffe's hand. So there's uh, some technology flexing its muscle against the old ways. Tremendous gut punch there by Ada. The explanation uh, from Radcliffe that he made her that she is built to last here. So... Yeah, we'll we'll turn the uh, the boat around now, please. Fitz uh, and Simmons have a discussion where he goes again back to the loop that he's stuck in. Radcliffe, Ward, his father. Um, however, Simmons doesn't see it that way. That uh, just because he's been betrayed, it's not a part of his DNA. Indeed, Pete, the notion here of uh, Fitz being more than his looping programming, um, I don't mind multiple TV shows about robots, but this is now 
multiple TV shows about robots and loops. So I thought, I thought that was interesting. Um, but this notion of looping lights a fire. He kisses Gemma and has an idea. Back we go to the lab uh, where Mac is by himself. He fires up Bradcliffe. Bradcliffe does some wondering as to whether he has a soul. What is the nature of man, Pete, for one to have a soul? Is it creation from the hand of God or blah, 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 blah? If he has one, doesn't Mac have one too, puppy dog eyes? Instead, Mac is ready to shoot the robot to hear him scream. And Fitz is there to, to, to pause things, Pete. Rather thought-provoking from Bradcliffe here uh, that, you know, he's able to question his existence. He's able to ask the faithful Mac, well, if you have a soul, how do you know that I don't have one here? If I'm not alive, why did you switch me on before you killed me? But Fitz arrives in time to stop him. Um, He knows a way around the programming and removes the back of the head. Now that's a brain, Matt. <laughs> it is kind of a, a holographic appearing brain. More on that in a moment. But first, the story uh, steps into the library, which is presum- or a library, which is presumably the uh, the uh, you know kind of covert exterior for the labyrinthine hiding spot of the Darkhold. Uh, LT is waiting with Quake. Sam goes into the vault with May and Colson waiting, talking Pete about Amore. Daisy, again, as the one most comfortable with the Koenigs, asks LT what it was like growing up with her brothers. Uh, Not bad, she said. However, the laundry was disgusting. Enough DNA to make a clone army. That is TMI. Meanwhile, back to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, Bradcliffe. Uh, is talking about his, well, discussion in general about the the brains and... Brain and brain. What is brain? Well, Pete, funny you should mention brain and brain because Bradcliffe mentions brains, uh, plural. Simmons realizes there are two, dramatic reveal. And then she realizes that she saw another brain mapped, dramatic reveal. Welcome to the party, pal. Simmons has just figured out that May's brain was mapped, therefore there's a May bot in the midst. <laughs> I like what you did there. Colson at the library here with uh maybe who he thinks is may may <laughs> talks about how he never read Ulysses just wasn't enough time. However, he wants to go to Ireland, do the pubs may be points out here that she's ready for whatever comes next it just so happens, Matt, that that's a big old kiss after uh, 77 episodes. In ev- episode 78, there was Kissy Face. Pete, with that, the Dark Hold is now back in play, back in its uh, satchel there. And um, May ends up with it. Colson as- asks for it back. She won't give it. She said, pulls a gun to end the act. Pete, it's all starting to fall apart. As act five begins, Matt, Coulson tells May to put the gun down, but she can't because you're not programmed to. Some things, Matt, it turns out, can't be faked. (laughs) Where's the real May? She may be. uh, Asserts that she is. She has, after all, her thoughts her desires uh but the real may would never betray him thank goodness we have quake around though who just does hand thing robot quip and go get after hate beard it it then becomes a uh an exponential increase of the hot potato game colson has the dark hold uh, baddies are falling. The bag is thrown around. This one has it. That one has it. Uh, the quake power is being used, perhaps a tad liberally, to keep the keep the ball in play, so to speak. It ends up with Billy holding the bag again, taking the bag to Maybe. He doesn't know that she's a robot, as they used to say back in the day. Uh, checks on May. May knocks him out. Gets the bag. To Radcliffe, who's kind of suddenly there, which I thought was a slight 
sore point story-wise. If Radcliffe was there, he kind of didn't need the May B kind of story-wise. I don't know why we had May officially handing it off to Radcliffe if he's just kind of there to take it. But it's an earned moment nonetheless. Radcliffe has it. OMG Pete. It's getting worse. And and maybe is just left there, abandoned by her master. Yeah, mission accomplished here. Exactly what she was supposed to do. Uh, but hey, sorry, you maybe weren't built to last. The labyrinth here has been compromised. Uh, and back uh, with our shield personnel, uh, the the question by uh, red shirt shield agent is so you are all technicians. What Indeed. did oh. you think they were robots, Matt? Those Koenigs. It's played for a very nice yuck, and I mean, indeed, it was something that was floated earlier in the episode by uh, by um, the superior or the supposed superior. Um, it, it's a nice button to it all to the Koenig story. I don't know how much we will see of the Koenigs again in the future, but uh, this was certainly a nice uh, a nice end to that mystery. Meanwhile, Pete, cut to the friendly shield crematorium in which there is um what i believe was the ada head and the radcliffe yes bot. there were two there were two heads in there in, in various states of uh decomposition by immolation uh the the furnace here Fitz and simmons and mac all watch in in kind of a less impressive version of the melting of androids that happened on uh, westworld uh, but here that they, uh, still know that there's one more out there. Um, Daisy, uh, reassures Colson that they will find her, her being, uh, May. Um, there is of course that promise that remains. And then Matt, we get a very quick shot of maybe to end the fifth act. Indeed, it noted that if they can't get the real May, she's all that they have left, maybe is. An ominous note, which we will discuss in the Level 7 segment. But first, Pete, we get that, uh, that commercial break, and then we head back under the sea to a, a kind of a Captain Ahab moment as uh, the Superior has them toast with vodka and sniff half onion. The old ways are always better. And, and bitter. <laughs> that is true as well. Um, it's uh, it, the old ways. It's something the captain has been after a long time. It's his obsession. Again, kind of notes of Ahab there. Uh, he believes that there is a source of all alien problems on the planet. He starts dropping photos down. A man, Coulson, is always there standing by. He is dead but still everywhere. Can Radcliffe, Radcliffe help get Coulson? Let it be written, Pete. As he looks at the dark hole there with the Chitari and the Cree and the Inhumans all name checked uh, and drinks to what is to come with one final photo of Coulson uh, held tight there at the end of the episode. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt. Let's begin with Hatebeard. A bit in the background here, not uh, not certainly the the primary baddie, but uh, the actor certainly encapsulates everything that we've come to know in uh, Major Hatebeard. And um, I, I, Pete, frankly, I would have I would have been okay if Ada smashed his hand. Um, but uh, it's the good news is we have Hatebeard with all his uh, all his limbs to hang around for next time. Every bigger bad guy needs henchmen, and Hatebeard certainly fills that role. Matt, next on our dossier here, Bradcliffe. It must have been an interesting acting challenge for John Hanna to say, all right, all these scenes where you are caught robot version of your character, um, act that however one would act that. By the way, you can't move anything from the neck down. Um, I don't know what that does to an actor. I, probably for the likes of John Hanna, not too much. But um, 
I feel a little sympathy for him. He's kind of pushing back against the world that's out to get his better version of himself or the human version of himself. Um, but uh, certainly great fun, especially with the effects, like when the head comes off and we're looking inside his noggin, etc. And again, the menace he's able, John Hanna, to deliver in that other role doing dual duty. Okay, you know, the uh, scientist Radcliffe, more inquisitive, a little bit more, uh, you know, in, in terms of twists and turns and the sick prisoner game, as you mentioned before. But uh, Radcliffe, uh, with with the, the warbling like a bird and everything that went on there, able to really give you a depth to that character, though he doesn't have a lot to do. Next on the list is uh, the superior himself, Anton Ivanov. And I must admit, Pete, surrounded by all the, uh, all the uh, submarine setting and his uh, being referred to as a captain, etc., I didn't fully appreciate the line until you pointed it out that um, he kind of is this, uh, is this anti-Stark or this, uh, this Eastern European version of Tony Stark, if you will. And I like what you pointed out on Twitter that the only two men in the Marvel Cinematic TV universe who own working razors are <laughs> <laughs> Phil Coulson and Jeffrey Mace. Indeed. <laughs> Ivanov, yet another kind of, kind of steamy guy who's got a, a, a four-day stubble and uh, no more, no less. And Pete, that just adds to his, his manly gravelness straight up swarthy there matt but i like what he goes for and what uh um zach mcgowan is able to bring us in terms of a character we're meeting for the first time i think the thing that uh comes up is we're taken aback that the the superior, if this is even indeed the superior, is is not somebody previously glimpsed, maybe even more connected than what we have. But again, we have to take this guy uh, at his word. And uh, speaking of uh, his interactions with Radcliffe, let's now talk about Radcliffe uh, again. I, I I just love how well uh how, how well portrayed radcliffe is at the top of the episode the episode the episode episode sense that he's he's not really a prisoner there um also frankly i credit the character for his earnestness he was told that uh you know billy might get knocked around a little bit but that he wouldn't be uh be hurt in a lasting way um and he wants to stick to that. He's got this cognitive dissonance of we're really not going to hurt people or kill people except for the people who accidentally hurt and kill. Yeah. And from his creation with uh, maybe to get a character that winds up on our dossier that we can view both sympathetically, you know, struggling with the idea that she is an LMD and then to view as an antagonist, somebody who has the object of her desire at the end of her gun there, unable because of her programming to comply with his wishes. Yeah. And you mentioned maybe a uh, huge sympathy for her at the end. And I kind of, uh, I couldn't help but see her argument of, you know, she is a true and, and, honest copy of may except for these programming changes kind of almost made me think of you know like anxiety attacks and that sort of thing where where you know what the thing is that you're supposed to do but you simply can't where you can't escape you know we in the real world where sometimes you can't escape your own uh emotional programming or natural programming and that's the angst that she's bringing to this scene where she wants to do the right thing she wants to be with colson she wants to be able to act on all these feelings um and all that we've seen, she's an honest copy, but uh, she just can't get out from herself. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, first up, these Koenigs. Eric may be dead, but we have Sam, we have Billy, we add Thurston to this mix, and LT, one not like the others. What's up with all of them? We're told at the end they're technicians, they're not 
whatever else we were going to say they were early model uh, LMDs. Who knows what's up with them? Being unsure of how much uh, story Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has left. And I know the ratings aren't great, so that might mean less episodes versus more. Um, I, I guess I kind of feel like they have answered this question. And for them to go back and say, uh-uh, actually, they're not LMDs because they are cyborg. You know, like... I, I think that if you're going to have the Canings come back, you simply have them come back as flesh and blood multiples, flesh and blood siblings, and you could do the fun um, shell game of there's more than one of them or whatever. You can kind of replicate that again, no pun intended. But I think the show has given us the answer, and it was a fun mystery, and now we've you know, unquestionably been given that answer. To then completely turn it around would seem disingenuous. How about, Matt, uh, the superior? We have a character in Antonov Ivanov who uh, has used the word several times. We never identify him directly as I am the superior. He never speaks with Senator Deer, though Nadir is referenced. Um, we don't know his strength. Though. He is not an inhuman. He loathes the inhuman. What can he do? I know certainly if we are if we are um, sticking close to the comic adaptation, he is the he is supposed to be the superior. Um, at least that certainly seems to be the consensus online today. I feel like on the one hand, we've had these multiple weeks where the superior is referenced. Um, if this was the reveal that it's surprise, new guy you haven't seen before. Eh, okay. I'm a little underwhelmed. I guess I was was expecting big reveal of more. Um, if this is the extent of it, yeah, I'm okay with that. Not everything needs to be, you know, dead person comes back to life and so on and so forth. Slightly underwhelming, although he slightly underwhelming as the reveal of the superior, but he as a character by by himself is perfectly fun and wonderful and a great introduction. Finally, Matt. Fitz's dad thrown out there for the first time. We've had discussion of Simmons' parents, but this is the first time Fitz's family proper has come up. Have we met Fitz's father before? I'm going to say no, but Pete, I want to. I want everybody to imagine it's a couple weeks from now. It's Valentine's Day. You've had some time with your special sweetie. Now you're digging in for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at 10 p.m., Asterisk, still not a confirmed airing on Valentine's Day. But um, here's what happens, Pete. It's the, uh, it's the tag scene at the end of pod B, the second pod. We're, we're, we're wrapping up all this. We're, we're propelling to the next one. And that's when you get the reveal scene of whatever it is. And that's when you say, oh, my goodness, named mature but uh, not old actor in who is 50 40 something and he says ah where is my boy <laughs> leopold they're, they're bringing connery out of retirement what <laughs> um, imagine <laughs> that would be insane um but whatever it is i think that's i think this is you know fair is fair we can see the fingerprints of the writer setting up a big reveal ahead of what may well be a story arc for uh for Pod C of Season 4 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Pete, you referenced it being the last thing, but I want to throw one your way. This idea, couple of ideas here. If they don't get the real May back, maybe will be the only one they have left. Also, the idea of a ticking time bomb for Coulson. These seem like fun little twists and turns. Also, Pete, this must be at a point where they are seeing the ratings at where they're at. Pete, are we setting up some kind of possible endgame here gasp we could be staring down this was episode 412 we could be staring down the final 10 episodes of agents of shield um as strange as that sounds to ponder but when you look at 
where the mystery turns at the very end of this episode, we're back to Coulson, back from the dead. He's the thing that holds it all together, that connects it all. Matt seems to be taking that turn, you know, is is the final pod, you know, Coulson is the key or, you know, something like that. Uh, who knows? Uh, but it, it is certainly within the realm of possibility. Let's check the wire, Matt. Pete, a lot of fun discussion on Twitter during the live tweet last night. Want to shine a light on one of those. Hydra lives, Hydra underscore lives, saying uh, th this idea of Radcliffe walking off with the Darkhold, a classic Hydra-type twist. I know Hydra lives is uh, quite the Hydra fan, invoking there, Pete, mentioning of that dastardly organization. And, uh, well, Pete. What are your thoughts to your fellow Hydra countrymen? Well, I, of course, have nothing but fond things to uh, say and remember of my former employer. But, um, you know, yeah, is it is it a Hydra-esque twist? It, it certainly is. Um, I'm more caught up in the whole idea here that the mystery centers back on Coulson. You know, we started with his seeming resurrection. We first floated LMD ideas back you know 78 episodes ago and here we are stills of him outside of the crater in new mexico and popping up in different places now that he's back as an agent you couldn't tell this story when he was the director and uh here we are so uh kind of you know distracted from the hydra thing but uh i'll, I'll always hail hydra in my heart well we also want to hail our pals on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Thank you for helping keep the podcast lights on as we, uh, as we uh, have some help with the costs for the podcast bandwidth and storage, etc. So thank you, patrons. Absolutely. Not only do you get yourself, can you get yourself a perk? You choose the perk when you choose to donate. Everyone who donates at any level gets access to several now uh patron patreon patron exclusive uh episodes matt so uh fantastic geek is your thing there's more content if you want uh patreon.com forward slash fantastic geek pete of course the best treat always free how can people be in touch with you on twitter you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e T E R J K L R K E T E L A A R 8,759 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter's Looking Back Lost, be in touch with the podcast 24 7, 365. We are Fantastic Geek. That's Fantastic with the PH. You can find us on that name on Twitter, on Instagram, fantasticgeek at gmail.com, fantasticgeek.com. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. We're up to 310 likes. Let's keep them coming there. Not a one paid for. You hear me out there, other podcasts? <laughs> oh, burn. Pete, with that, we will be back next week to continue the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. adventure. I will say adios for now to all our listeners and give you the final word. My puppy. Who took my puppy? Who took my puppy?